Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy teaches a sermon titled, We Have No Idea How Good Jesus Is, out of 1 John chapter 2. Walking with God is about letting Jesus love all the parts of you, and then letting that love spill out onto others. You'll then be able to love your enemies, bear their burdens, and lay down your life for them, all because Jesus has done this for you. Your neighbors and friends don't care about your arguments or how many Bible verses you can quote, but they will be changed forever if you love them well. Be open to stepping out of your comfort zone and into the messy lives of those around you, just as Jesus did the same for you. In order to be filled, you must continually be poured out. So if you were newer visiting with us this morning, I hope you're having so much fun. Um, <laughs> At the end, we're going to do communion. Remember that at the, uh, we take the bread, we eat it together, and at the very end, we hold the cup, and then we're going to ha- open that together. So just, just remember that in case I forget the instructions like I did last month. Uh, and then after, after uh, the service, we have more communion for you, which is um, yogurt, uh, parfaits with an apple compote, and some other gorgeous things, and lemon bars, and homemade cookies. And the communion will continue out the door. Um, so if you're, it's so much fun. Uh, so, so I'm so glad, grateful for you guys. Um, if you were new or visiting, let me just share with you briefly what we're, what we're all about at this church. We do this every week, by the way. And number one, there's always hope beyond our brokenness. Every single story uh, here uh, is the same. All of us um, have brokenness in our lives. And today and each day with Jesus is a moment where that brokenness is, can be healed, uh, where we can be loved, and so that there's hope. Our story includes being lost, but the bigger story is that now we're found. Amen? Amen. So there's always hope beyond our brokenness. And second, we're called to trust in our risen Savior. And like Zed said, we don't, we don't do that by ourselves. Like Paul said, we, we hold on to each other as we're climbing this mountain together, and we get to trust him with every single area of our life. And, and that's okay if you have doubts. It's okay if you don't have your arms fully wrapped around this Christianity or this Jesus thing. It's okay if you look at our culture and you go, I don't know if that, I want that version of Jesus. I, I, it, it's okay To trust Jesus means to get to know him, and the more that you get to know him, your categories and understandings of God will be blown out of the water. Jesus is way better than you could ever hope or dream or imagine. We're going to be talking about that in depth today. And then finally, we get to bring restoration. And boy, have you guys brought restoration to those in need. We get to see each other and love each other well, not thoughts and prayers, but love well, beautifully, radically. Because at the end of the day, what if all it took to bring someone to Jesus was a couple hundred dollars or a couple extra hours or a couple extra texts? And literally, that's what it does. So I'm just so grateful that we, we as a community are, are doing this and that we get to be on this adventure together. So each one of these truths about hope beyond our brokenness and trusting our risen Savior and joining Jesus in his restoration work has a choice that we get to make because the word I choose weighs about 10,000 pounds in your life. Does that make sense? It's the most powerful thing that you get to say. It's you taking ownership and responsibility for your life. It's you living in the power and the calling and the purpose that God has for you. It's you making a choice. Faith is you making a choice every day. So let's make this together. And let's declare this and put some pepper on it. You ready? Don't like mumble it like, oh, he's making me say this again. If you don't want to say this, then don't. But if you choose this, then come on, let's go, girls. Right? We are disciples who walk intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Ooh, amen. So we've been talking a lot about what it looks like to love well lately. Um, Not just thoughts and prayers, but extravagant love, unbounded love, sacrificial love, a love that looks like Jesus. 
and you guys are doing this. It's remarkable. Second service, there's a um, woman named Brittany. She just turned 30. Her mom's Kathy. We love them. She's incredible. Um, and, and Kathy's mom said, hey, would you send a card um, to Brittany and like, put it like a dollar bill in it? Um, so the staff put, I don't know, some dollar bills, and we sent a card. And then Debbie, that you just saw in the video, she sent 30 cards. And then her friend sent 70 cards. And then their friends sent even more cards. Cards keep on coming into Brittany. There were so many dollar bills in those cards that Brittany could buy an iPad. Now, now, Kathy, who, who it, Brittany struggles sometimes, and Kathy suffers because of that. And now every single square inch of their walls in their home are covered with hundreds of cards. And Brittany is laughing with delight as she watches her iPad. And Kathy has rest. That's what you did. That's what you did. One card is love. 100 cards is loving well. You get the picture? We gave change for a dollar last year at this time to a woman who lost her 17-year-old daughter in a house fire. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, normally, change for a dollar is around $500 per service. Sometimes it goes up to 600 or even 1000 but normally it's around that amount that you guys give. Next week, we're going to, we're going to receive change for a dollar. And you guys, your generosity has been incredible. And, and the money that we give is serious love in people's lives. But on that day, when you heard about this house fire, you raised over $7,000 in one day for that mom. <laughs> That's loving well. And then it took months to give her the check. It took months to track her, track her down. And first she said no, and then she said maybe, and then, and then it was just too much for her, and finally we got the check for her, and then we didn't hear anything from her. And then last week, a woman came up after first service with tears in her eyes, and she could barely speak. And she said, I lost my daughter last year in a house fire, and you guys blessed our family incredibly and I just want to be a part of what's going on here. Her daughter had a devotional that she read every day because she loved Jesus. And now this woman, Denise, she teaches a, a junior high. If you, have, if you ever teach junior high, that's like a different species of, of right? You know what I'm talking about, right? And now she says... Every, every day when she reads her daughter's journal, journal or, or devotional, every single junior hire waits in hushed anticipation to hear the hope that Jesus loves them well. You see, you loved her well, and now she feels loved, and now she's loving these kids well, and now they feel loved well. Do you see how it goes? We... Last fall, we had uh, a young man in our congregation, Samuel, mid-20s, has Down syndrome. Oh, doctors wouldn't approve his procedures to help his brain stop having 24-hour fevers. Samuel could speak, he could read, he, could, uh, he was making jewelry. Uh, incredible. The encephalitis or the... Uh, uh, the, is that right, Suzanne? Encephalitis is a brain fever, and he regressed and lost all of it. In the matter of two weeks, you raised $13,000 for Suzanne and Larry and Samuel. That's what you guys did. That's loving well. And then all of a sudden, the insurance family said, the company said, yes. And all that money that you gave enabled them to go down to UCLA to do the procedures and not have it crush their family financially. And then you know what's happened? Over the course of last months, as Samuel's been in procedures, he's starting to have his head hurt less and less and less. And Suzanne, his mom, raise your hand, Suzanne. We love you. Suzanne, his mom. They're doing a Zoom Bible study as a family, and Samuel read scripture this week. 
Hey, wait, 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 I'm not done. You're going to be a wreck. And Suzanne texts me this morning, and she says, I FaceTime Samuel, and he rarely answers, but he answered. And at the end of the FaceTime, Samuel spoke these words over his mom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you peace. And Suzanne said, I love you, but then Samuel ended the FaceTime before she thought that he heard her. And then Samuel FaceTimed her back <laughs> and said, I love you. I'll see you at the dance party tonight at 515. Because every day at 515, they do a dance party. <laughs> you see what's happening here? We are loving people well, and it's nothing short of what revival and restoration and hope looks like. It's changing the course of people's lives. Mark Twain wrote this. A myriad of men and women are born. They labor and sweat and struggle. They squabble and scold and fight. They scramble for little mean advantages over each other. Age creeps in upon them. Infirmities follow. And the joy of life is turned to aching grief. And death comes at last. And they vanish from a world which will lament them a day and forget them forever. So let us, read this with me, let us endeavor so to live that when we come to die, even the undertaker will be sorry. <laughs> Loving well. Receiving the love of Jesus who loves you beyond well. Not a million well, not a billion well, not a trillion well, who loves you beyond you could ever hope or dare to dream, you then now have love to give away so that even the undertaker will be sorry. Loving well so that when you come to die, every person who you've encountered will say, she loved me like Jesus loved me. He loved me with a love that I've never experienced before. Do you want that life? Oh, Lord Jesus, make it so. Look, you guys, I know you struggle. I know you have grief. I know your bodies are failing you. I know that your marriages are difficult. I know that your kids are hard. I know that now that they're 30 and 40, they're even harder. <laughs> I know that your grandchildren, you adore them, and you're so glad to give them back. I know that finances are difficult. I know that you've had diagnoses. I know that you've had uh, struggles. I know that you're still trying to figure out who you are and what your purpose is. And so when I talk about the love of God, sometimes you think, oh, man, that's not really all that practical, Andy. And I want to tell you it is. And this is what brings me to tears. Like, I cannot convince you of this truth. I cannot change your spirit by my words. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. You get to choose. That's that 10,000 pound word. You get to choose to listen. You get to choose to open your heart and let the Holy Spirit speak to you today through this scripture. So if you're willing, would you choose? So when you make a choice, you have to say something. Great. Can I pray for us one more time? So Jesus, we choose to listen today of your great love for us. We choose today, Jesus, to be moved. We choose today, Jesus, to receive your love in places that we've just pushed you out because it hurts so bad to even open that door. We choose today, Jesus, to believe even in the middle of our doubt, even in the middle of our cynicism, even in the middle of our unbelief. We choose today, Jesus. And we don't know how it's all gonna work out. We don't know what, the, what it looks like, but God, we know you'll help us. So open our ears. 
and open our eyes. And so we just cast out and, and, and pray against any kind of doubt or confusion or resistance that, or cynicism that's here in the name of Jesus. Not today, devil. Go to Jesus to be judged. We love you, Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay. So we're in 1 John 1. You can read the whole book of 1 John in about 14 minutes. Uh, we're going to spend longer than 14 minutes because I love this, these books. They're incredible. In 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, John tells us how our souls are healed, how we find profound belonging, how we can discover a well of fellowship and joy, and it's through confession. It's through honest, vulnerable, humble confession to Jesus and with a friend that you trust. And as we are healed and restored by his hands of mercy, our fellowship with each other and our joy grows. Amen? Amen. Yes? yes? So 1 John 1, 7 says this, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have, read it with me, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Guys, 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 listen, listen, listen. This is going to be so much fun. Listen. Slow down for a second when you read scripture. Like you just read something that is like mind-blowing, Okay. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us. Read it. What does it say? That don't make no sense. Let me ask you a question. If someone robbed you, broke into your house, robbed you, um, would you pay for their mistake? No, you would not. I remember when I got robbed when I was 13 years old, I had just gone to Southern California to visit my grandfather and my aunt and uncle. We had gone to Disneyland. We went to Venice Beach, and I got myself a pair of jams. <laughs> remember what jams are? Yes. Mm, they are shorts that go just below the knee, and they look good. <laughs> it was in 1989, baby. I had to eat some jams. And for whatever reason, all the robbers only stole my clothes. And they didn't steal just a little bit of my clothes. They stole all my clothes. And I looked for my jams for the next six months on every kid that walked through the school. <laughs> like, did you steal my jams? Did you steal my jams? So if someone robbed you, would you pay for the mistake? Probably not. And I'm not talking about paying for their mistake by saying, it's okay, insurance has got it, I won't press charges. I'm talking about, would you pay for their mistake by going to prison on their behalf? No, you wouldn't. But that's what Jesus has done for you. You sinned against him. You, your wounding that you did with others and against yourself is also against God Almighty who created you and owns you. And he didn't just say, oh, that's okay. Not only did he pay for your mistake, but then he also suffered for you. How? Oh, nothing less than what? The blood, his blood. He, he literally broke his body open for you. Look, we hide our mistakes if we face horrible consequences for them. Yes? Oh, please say yes. yes. We do. That's human. But you have to understand that the response from God for your sin isn't death and destruction. It's not his disappointment or frustration with you. It's not your condemnation and shame. It is your forgiveness. And therefore, John urges us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What? But if we claim we have not sinned, oh, come on now. You know the person next to you is a hot mess. 
we make him out to be a liar. And his word is not in us. Confession is freedom. Confession is healing. Confession is literally the place where the most damaged parts of your life and heart and soul, where you've been hurt the worst, where you've done the hurting, it's where those places are met with an ocean of mercy and love. Why would you delay? How many of you done your taxes? I'm about to call my accountant and say, how about October? Does that work? Does October work? But what if every time you brought the hot mess of your tax liability and all of that, all the stupid receipts, all the things that you can't find, all the money you don't want to pay, you brought that whole anxious, awful mess to your accountant, and he sorted it all out, and then he cuts you a check for a million dollars every year. Would you delay going to your accountant? Oh, are you sure? Liars. Because that's exactly what Jesus does every single time you bring your hot, anxious mess to him. He doesn't just forgive your sins. He doesn't just say, well, let's talk about a payment plan. He forgives all of them, and he gives you everything you never could earn. That's the hope of the gospel. The God's response to your sin is not more death. It's not more anger. It's not more loss. It's love overwhelming, merciful, undeserved, can't-be-earned love. And this love isn't reluctantly given. Amen? Even the dog agrees. <laughs> so um, the reason why I brought, bring forward uh, with the verses that we talked about last week is because the next verse is 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. But that just because it's chapter two doesn't mean like that a brand new thought section has started. You got to remember that in 1551, a monk on horseback started dividing scripture, these books, into chapter and verse. You picking up what I'm putting down? A monk did that on horseback in 1551, okay? So John, when he writes this letter, the thought continues and he says this, my dear children, I write this. Do you read this with me? My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Why does John tell us to confess? Why does John say to be honest with what's going on? Why? So that we would not sin. Sinning is just our unwillingness to trust God that his plan for us is actually good. Sinning is our unwillingness to obey, to, to follow directions, to submit our life, because we doubt that if we do, it will work out for our favor. And what happens every time that we sin? It's death. Sometimes it's a small death. Sometimes it's a large death. Sometimes it's an immediate death. Sometimes death is delayed. And what is God's response? It's not more death. It's not more anger. It's not more condemnation. It's love. And that love, like I said, isn't reluctant. You have what's called, we have an advocate. An advocate. What's an advocate? Someone who's working on your behalf. Now, we have these awful, unbiblical, straight-from-the-pit-of-hell analogies about when we mess up. And they're all spatial analogies. If we've messed up, we've back-slidden. Backslided? Backsliding? Black-sliven? What's the past tense? I don't know. I backslided, right? Literally, I slided backwards. I slidded? I slid. How? Backslid? It's so stupid. Never say it again. <laughs> Ever. Why? Because it's not true. I've fallen away. Hogwash. You're not farther away from God in a spatial distance when you sin. Why? Because you have an advocate. That's why. 
the, the analogies of all these spatial things is they're straight from the pit of hell. Jesus doesn't get fed up and storm off in frustration when you sin. He's not like, Ugh, go to timeout. <laughs> it's not how it works. Jesus moves towards you when you sin. Jesus moves towards you when you doubt. Jesus moves towards you when you're afraid. Jesus moves towards you when you don't know what to do. Jesus moves towards you when you're determined to live life on your own. He's your advocate. He's working on your behalf. He's helping you. He's scheming how to bless you. If this is how God treats us when we've messed up, oh, what's God going to do for us when we obey? <laughs> What's his plan? You know what it is? It's wild. It's crazy. It's like when we obey and we listen to God, then like it works out. It's life. It's unbridled, unhinged, like blessing beyond you could ever imagine. Life. Like mind-blowing life, your heart gets healed, your body gets healed, you start loving well, people start getting transformed. Stories like Samuel and Brittany and the list goes on. They just keep on coming in your life. You start becoming part of this movement of God where that which is dead is made alive. The, the things in your life that you felt like would never be redeemed are not only redeemed, but they're now to become a blessing that will make your, your legacy go on for generations to come. What? That's what happens with obedience. Financial blessing comes your way. You know why? Not because Joel Olstein is right. <clears throat> it's because the more that you give away, the more God will give you so that you can keep on giving more away. Does that make sense? If you love well with a little, Jesus will give you a lot so you can love well with a lot. Does that make sense? And who doesn't want to be a part of that Christmas story? Sin is fun sometimes. You got to be honest. For a moment, followed by what? Obedience is difficult sometimes. For a moment, it's true. But what's it followed by? Peace and hope and joy. So John's writing this, urging you to trust Jesus. If in the face of all of your messed up sin and all the horrible things done to you, that's how God responds to you, what could life be like if you simply trust him and surrender? <sighs> so slow down in your life, guys. Ask God what to do and follow his lead Reject the lie that his plan stinks. You want to do that? You ready? Repeat after me. Jesus, I reject the lie that your plan for me stinks. And I receive the truth that your plan for me is good. Amen. I've had four conversations with this week with friends from our church who've all said the same thing. I feel distant from God and prayer is hard because I feel like I have to apologize for not praying and then apologize for not going to church and the list of apologies is so long that by the time that I'm num number 6 in my that the time I'm at number 6 my heart is numb and I just stop praying. Jesus is your advocate. Prayer doesn't have to be oh, I'm sorry, God, for not praying, and I'm sorry, God, for not being here, and I'm sorry for not doing enough. I'm sorry for missing church again. I'm sorry for, you know, not recycling, and I'm sorry. That, like, that's not how prayer needs to look, okay? Bury your head in his chest and just rest. Your prayers don't have to be a, a pro, uh, you know, PowerPoint presentation of all the ways that you've messed up. You can just say, I'm sorry. That's enough. You can be specific, but it doesn't have to be an hour-long prayer. 
He's already working on your behalf. He already knows. He just wants your heart surrendered. I don't know how, but the good news just keeps on getting better in 1 John 2. Let's read verse 2 together. Are you ready? He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. What does atoning sacrifice mean? No one knows. Um, and what's funny is that the translators of this, um, in most modern translations, translate um, this word uh, here. He is the propitiation. They think, well, no one knows what propitiation means, so we'll put it in atoning sacrifice. And they're technically true. It's not like less accurate, but just no one knows what any of those words actually mean. So what does propitiation or atoning sacrifice actually mean? And how does it relate to those of us who feel like, I don't even feel like I can start prayer with Jesus sometimes because I got this laundry list of all these sins I got to confess, and then it's just like, I don't even know what to do. I want to radically transform your prayer life right here with the truth of the gospel. Are you ready? Here we go. What does propitiation or atoning sacrifice mean? This is like wreck me all week. I don't know if I'm like, can you tell I'm kind of cry this morning? Like I've been a wreck all week. It means this. When, when you sin, Jesus, as your advocate, moves towards you. We've already read that. Jesus pays your debt by putting himself in your place. We've already read that. The debt that you owe, though, isn't money. Because sin is death, your debt is death. So Jesus pays for it. He dies for you in your place. His blood pouring from his pierced hands and feet, his spear pierced side, his literal heart burst and broken for you as your ransom, as your substitute. I've already said all this. But propitiation means more. Atoning sacrifice means more. It then means that out of this awful debt, Jesus then pays for you. So now all of your debt has been paid. It's been sacrificed for. But atonement means more. It means that all you should have done is also now credited to you. It's not that he just pays for all the things that you did wrong, so now you're, you know, even. Or in a financial analogy, you know what that's called? Broke. <laughs> and so what we do in the church is that we think to ourselves, well, Jesus has paid for my debt, and now I'm broke, and so now I feel like I have to do all of these good things, and if I don't do all of these good things, then I have to apologize for them. And so I start every prayer session with this, I'm sorry I didn't do all these good things, and that's not the gospel. The gospel is that he is your atoning sacrifice. He is your propitiation, that he's brought you from debt to broke, from broke to heaven rich. Walking with God isn't about following rules. Walking in the light isn't about being perfect. Walking in the light and knowing God is about allowing him to love every part of you and letting the hope of the gospel sink into your bones that you are more loved than you could ever dare to hope, even though you're more broken than you want to admit. And as you experience this unbelievable love, that he would pay for you and ransom you and choose you when you were a twit and then credit to you everything that you could not earn because of his goodness, you will be overwhelmed with his love. And a momentary sin ain't got nothing on that. And hiding doesn't work anymore. Why would I hide when... I'm, vulnerability is life. And this love that has been poured into you will start spilling out. You'll do things like Jesus talks about. You'll love your enemies. You will bear one another's burdens. You will forgive 70 times seven. You will lay down your life for your friends. 
Verse 3. Isn't this fun? Here we go. We know, read this with me. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Every time I read this, every time anybody reads this, we immediately feel condemned, right? You're like, how could I possibly do that? That's impossible. John's words here aren't condemnation. They're a description of reality. Knowing Jesus is knowing that he is your propitiation. Knowing Jesus is knowing that he is your atoning sacrifice, that he's your advocate. If you're struggling with feeling like God loves you, then sit with the reality that he's your sacrifice and your atonement for just a second. And love will be born in you. And now you'll have love to give. If you're struggling with feeling like God cares about you, rest in the truth that Jesus is your advocate. Lean back in the loving arms of your heavenly Father. Stay still for a moment. You're so busy trying to live apart from him and you're wondering why it's all a hot mess. Try living with Jesus because he's really good at loving you well. And if you're online right now, it's, it's raining here. The rain is pouring down here. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, I just want to wash away all those old ideas about who God is. Verse 5, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. Your faith isn't about your brain thinking the right thoughts. Your faith is about actions and thinking and believing because you are a little trinity. You have a body like Jesus. You have a brain like your heavenly father and you have a spirit like your Holy Spirit. Try being in your marriage just with one part of you, right? Men are terrible at this. Well, my body was present. <laughs> and wives are like, he won't just talk to me. It's because his mind isn't there. Pray for your husbands. Right? Like being in a relationship means all of you is there. Yes? Yes. So like when God says love or confess or forgive or, or love well, it's not just, oh, that's a nice idea. That's thoughts and prayers. We actually get to do it. And when we do it, love is born within us. Verse 5, anybody obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. So here's the experiment, and I'll land the plan here. Land the plane here. Here's the challenge. Here's the call to action John is asking of you. Obey his word and watch love be born in you. What does this look like? Let me just give you an example from last week. Last week I said to you that confession happens no matter what. Confession is a truth about life as on, on planet Earth for humanity. Either you will confess your sins or you will confess another person's sins. Those are the only options. Ain't nobody judgmental. Everybody is. So you can either confess yours or another. Here's the second truth I need you to understand about life on planet Earth. You will always demand an atoning sacrifice for the wrongs done against you. You will always demand an atoning sacrifice for the mistakes that you have made. So you can do two things. You can sacrifice yourself or you can sacrifice another person. Both are terrible mistakes. You can beat yourself up when you make a mistake, how's that work? I beat myself up for years. I still fall into it sometimes. It's so annoying to be around me when I'm doing that. It's like, Andy, just stop. You apologize once. Like, quit it. I get all grumpy and in my head. 
and I think I'm doing the world a favor by being so hard on myself, and I'm only making everything worse. Just give your loved one a gentle nudge if they do that. <laughs> or you know what we do? Is that we'll sacrifice another person. We will judge them. We will fight back. We will lash out. We will try and make them pay. But if you have Jesus and, he, and you really believe that he's your sacrifice, he's your atonement, then the blood that you are demanding for justice, you have. And it's his. The payment that you want to make happen, you have it. He paid it. Because here's the thing about life on planet Earth, and I hate to say this, but it's true. This week, someone's going to hurt you. It might be small, it might be big. But with Jesus as your propitiation, you will do something that will change their lives forever. Instead of condemnation, you could give them mercy. Instead of anger, you could give them patience. Instead of wrath, you could speak the truth about what they did in love. And when you show someone else the mercy that Jesus has shown you, they will feel unjustly, unfairly, undeservedly loved. And so you will join Jesus in his restoration work. And it's going to hurt. And it's going to cost you. And there you will find the arms of your loving Father wrapped around you to restore you and renew you and sustain you in the exact same way that he did for his own son, Jesus, when he paid for your sin. And that is a fellowship that you do not want to miss out on. So now we come to this place of communion. And I hope that as you eat the bread and as you drink the cup, that you will understand in a deeper sense how profound God's love for you is. That you'd receive today the payment from your sin and also the fact that he's deposited into your account more than you could ever, ever earn on your own. Amen? Amen. So in the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, which is a symbol of his body, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. When you come forward, as the ushers dismiss you row by row, take the bread and eat it and remember and thank him. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant which is now in my blood. Drink and remember me. When you grab the cup, hold that. We're going to take that together at the end. And it'll be a reminder that his blood has washed you clean, that all of your sins are forgiven, and that you've been given every merit badge that Jesus has on his sash. Amen? Oh, Lord Jesus, as we receive communion and worship, come in power. Transform us from the inside out. Give us the strength that we need in our relationships to love well, to be honest, to confess where we've made a mistake. But when someone confesses to us that you would be our atonement, that we would not make them pay, that we would be merciful to them in love and have the courage to tell them the truth about how hurtful it is. Jesus, you are everything for us. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for washing us clean. Father, Heavenly Father, redeem and renew our understanding of you. 
so that we can come to you in confidence and joy, feeling loved and safe, because that's who you are. And all God's people said, amen. I'm going to invite the ushers forward to have you come for communion. God bless you guys. Yeah. 
Carefully opening up this cup. If you're at home, you have your communion coffee or juice, whatever it is. This is the blood of Jesus. Shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Pour it out so that all that he has earned is now credited on your behalf. He is your sacrifice. And to him we say thank you, Jesus. Amen. The rain has stopped. It's time to eat. Would you stand for the benediction? If you want prayer, please come forward afterwards. You can join us across the street for table talk. It'll start in 15 minutes. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he put his countenance upon you. That's his delight in you and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, God bless you guys. Have a great day. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.